0: What's up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Monday, July the 29th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, a planned day off turns into a full workday, and that's why we are your go-to daily source of Dolphins football. Pat Flaherty fired the fallout from the move and the details on his successor, Dave DiGuglielmo, Plus, a surprise star of camp, we detail Sam Oguavin's path to Miami and his fit in the defense, as well as the other camp surprises through the first four days and your questions on the Twitter mailbag, all of that and more. But first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star rating, leave us a review, give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter as voted by Dolphins Twitter, as well as your go-to source for training camp updates. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Fins and you can find all of our written content up on lockedondolphins.com and of course the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and our new rebranded Locked On NFL podcast with expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson hosted by Brian Peacock Locked On NFL is your daily national podcast on all things NFL. And what was going to be a mailbag-only show turned into a busy one for us. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. Support for Locked On Dolphins comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code locked on at Manscape.com. That's 20% off at manscaped.com with promo code locked on. And the big news of the day on Monday came across at about three o'clock out here on the East Coast, and I had to rush in from the beach. I was floating around in the ocean for a solid half hour or so, saw the news, came back to the room and got to work on detailing the first official change of camp so far. Four days in, and Brian Flores is not messing around. Offensive line coach Pat Flaherty, formerly of the Jacksonville Jaguars and the San Francisco 49ers, over the last three years, and then 12 years before that with the New York Giants, he's been fired. Stepping into the role for Pat Flaherty is the former assistant offensive line coach, Dave DeGugliamo, who has, let's be honest, a better track record than what Flaherty had in his last recent stops with the Niners and with the Jaguars. And DiGuglielmo comes from multiple offensive line schemes. Last year, he was with the Colts after taking over for Chris Furster in 2017 in week six for the Miami Dolphins. And before that week six mark... Under Chris Furster, the Dolphins ranked 21st in PFF's pass-blocking efficiency metrics, and then from Week 6 through 17, with the Guglielmo on staff, they ranked 2nd in the National Football League. He then went on to Indianapolis and directed the Colts' 10th-ranked pass-blocking offensive line, who also led the NFL in sacks allowed. The lowest sacks allowed, I should say. So the Guglielmo comes here. He has experience in the Patriot scheme, working under Dante Scarnecchia, the legendary coach for two years in 2014 and 2015. So implementing this Chad O'Shea offense, which we assume is going to have multiple Patriots parts and elements to it, becomes a little bit more seamless now with DeGugliamo on staff getting things in the right way and some folks are worried about the fact that DeGugliamo was fired from the Colts and a reason for that was because well, he was hired to Josh McDaniel's staff another former Patriot in Indianapolis and then he was a holdover when they went with Frank Reich after McDaniels weaseled his way out of that deal so Flaherty is gone and it makes sense after the offensive line had two horrendous days of practice both in individual and in the team periods of practice we touched on the goal line drills two consecutive days the offensive line got no push and pretty much couldn't punch the ball in from one two yards out several times in a row on both days and that adds up to the fact that in individual drills the defensive pass rush was getting after it against pretty much anybody besides Laramie Tunzel so Flaherty gone DeGugliamo in And this just continues to send a message that nobody is above the team. And if we're going to hold players to a certain level of accountability, then we're going to hold the coaches to that same level of accountability. Everybody is here to do a job. And if you don't do it, you're going to be out the door, just like Pat Flaherty is after six months of his original hire date. And sticking with the theme of the offensive line, I'll be the first to admit that although I'm there for training camp and firing off tweets faster than anybody else in that media tent, or media platform, there are some things I'm going to miss. And so I had the opportunity on the day off to go back and look over some of the beat writers' tweets. And one thing I did not pick up on the far field on Sunday's practice was the fact that Michael Dieter got some run with the first team offensive line at left guard. This comes from Omar Kelly of the Miami Sun Sentinel, or South Florida Sun Sentinel, I should say. And this makes a lot of sense because you guys heard me in that interview with Michael Dieter on the Saturday podcast, I think it was. Talking about the multiplicity, the cross training that he has had on the interior offensive line, how he prefers the interior offensive line, how he's been giving Dan Kilgore a breather as a backup center, had some run at right guard, but getting some work at left guard, his his top position back at Wisconsin with the Badgers, he was doing plenty of work at that spot after practice. All by himself doing some pulling drills, trying to work on getting out into space, working on the drop step and crossover step to get himself into that space. And I think perhaps the most interesting aspect of that workout post-practice was that he was doing it with Dave DeGugliamo on that Sunday practice. So he might need a little bit of development to get ready for the National Football League. But if he doesn't start the season, he's probably going to be the sixth man off the bench regardless of the position that could potentially suffer an injury that would put him into the lineup because if you lose Laramie Tunzel, you probably put Jordan Mills at left tackle, you kick Jesse Davis out to right tackle, and there you go for Michael Dieter. If anybody on the interior goes down, Chris Reed, Jesse Davis, or Dan Kilgore, he slides into either of those spots up front at left guard center or right guard. And of course, if Jordan Mills goes down, you have Jesse Davis slide out to right tackle and there goes Michael Dieter into the right guard position. We're going to come back on the other side of the podcast and tell you about the surprises of training camp so far, including a profile on linebacker Sam Aguavin. We'll do all that next. But first, are you being greeted by some unpleasant surprises when it comes to your performance in the bedroom? If you are, listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue, Blue BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever your number is called. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code On. Just pay $5 shipping, again, that's B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code locked on to try it today for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. If
1: you're looking for the most comprehensive
0: NFL draft coverage this offseason,
1: look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.
0: Some days I'm a little more proud of myself than others for the selection of the segue music into a new segment. And this one obviously refers to the change on the offensive line. No more Mr. Nice Guy in Miami. No more Mr. Players Coaches like Adam Gase. No more Milk Toast type coaches like Joe Philbin. Brian Flores is here to do business. He's here to win football games. He's here to change the culture in Miami. Will it work? We'll have to find out. But right now, I think he's on the right path. And that includes knowing when to cut ties from a mistake, which he made a mistake in bringing in Pat Flaherty six months ago. He's gone. Dave DeGugliamo is in-house to coach this offensive line for the third time in his career. He was back with the Dolphins in 2011, again in 2017, and now here in 2019, but we jump to the other side of the football today, or in this segment, I should say, for our next topic, discussing some of the unsung heroes of Miami Dolphins camp. Some of the guys that maybe weren't on your radar last week at this time, who maybe should be going forward as they've had a solid first four days of 2019 training camp, and we start with the CFL product, and now Sam Aguavin signed with the Dolphins this offseason, coming down from the Great White North from the Canadian Football League and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, even though he had 10 other visits across the National Football League, and you might say that he chose the Dolphins because... Maybe this was a team and a roster that had the quickest path for him to get on an NFL roster. But the Dolphins were his first visit, and he put pen to paper after that visit. So he obviously had an affinity for what they wanted him to be down here. There was obviously a plan for him to get some playing time and plenty of looks in the OTA periods and into training camp. And that's all unfolding before our eyes. And before we get into his tape and what he does well... I think it's important to note the two parallels to all-time Dolphins greats that he offers because it's pretty remarkable that you consider, one, he's an undersized, unheralded linebacker, about 225 pounds, from Texas Tech. The last time the Dolphins had a guy with those same resume check marks was Zach Thomas. Now, I don't expect Aguavin to play like Zach Thomas, But also, the last time the Dolphins had a star in camp from the CFL, that dude went on to pick up 98 career sacks with Miami. I'm talking, of course, about Cam Wake. And I think it's unfair to put those expectations on a 26-year-old. But the skill set you see with Aguavin, both from his CFL tape, his Texas Tech tape, and here at training camp, really coincides with the things that Brian Flores wants this defense and wants his linebackers to be. Now, you go back to his statistics from 2018 in the CFL. And this is an 18-game schedule, I suppose, but they only play three downs on defense, so who knows exactly what these volume stats mean. But he had 81 tackles, one interception, and he ran that back 103 yards for a touchdown. He picked up three sacks, eight tackles for loss, two forced fumbles, and a blocked punt, which he also picked up and scooped back to the house for a touchdown. And equally important to the defensive statistics he showed, he had 10 stops on special teams. He did the exact same thing at Texas Tech, filling up the stat sheet. And to go back to Flores's consistent yet simple message of what he wants in a defender, the key to defense is always tackling, and you can't make a tackle if you don't first defeat the block. And that is done through preparation, instincts, pliability, the ability to get around blocks and kind of have some wiggle, as well as your technique. And I see plenty of those traits when I watch a guavin in the limited action I've seen from him on CFL tape and at Texas Tech. You look at a couple of videos I put up on Twitter, you can see him showing perfect form tackling. You can see him reading tendencies and keys from the offensive line to go ahead and key those blocks, read a pulling guard, read a dig out block from the backside tight end. He is very adept at finding out where the play is going to go and shooting in there with speed and instincts and technique and making the stop in the backfield. Competitive toughness, quick trigger, and exceptional tackle. Exceptional tackling technique and fundamentals. He can provide support in the run game, but I think where you're probably going to see him on the field the most is in these sub packages as a guy that can defend the pass against tight ends and linebackers. There's a great video on my Twitter thread, although it's very Sasquatch grainy like footage. There's a great video of him breaking up a pass in trail technique where where the receiver catches the ball and then he separates the hands at the last minute, a very integral part of this defense. And He's going to be a part of those sub packages, or I should say the nickel package, which is the one the Dolphins will be in the most this season under Brian Flores. But where you might want a safety to come down and play this dollar linebacker type of role in this package, like a TJ McDonald, as we have speculated about all off season long, Aguavin gives you even better in-line tackling ability and the ability to knock some heads in 11 personnel or 10 personnel. Pretty much any package that doesn't have either two running backs on the field or two tight ends on the field, that's probably when he would come off the field. And in addition to all those snaps he figures to get, he'll play plenty on special teams as well if things continue to progress the way they have right now. And that's the nice thing about this defense is rather than jamming a player into a role because he's your best guy at the position like Raekwon McMillan or Jerome Baker might be, rather than saying, okay, you're top, you're going to play all 1,000 snaps, no, we're going to have guys do what they do best. We're going to elevate them, their strengths, and minimize their weaknesses and get them in positions to succeed. And that's why I have faith that Sam Aguavon can be a producer in this Brian Flores defense. Now, other guys at camp that have surprised in a good way I've got five of them here. The first one is Trenton Irwin, the undrafted rookie receiver out of Stanford. And you might say Preston Williams belongs in this spot, but we kind of know about Preston Williams, but Irwin kind of went unnoticed. He's got plenty of reps. He's been involved in multiple packages and different team periods. And I know it's easy to say that he's one of those white guys, and that's going to be Chad O'Shea's from the New England tree, guilty pleasure. But it has more to do with his sharp route running, his innate recognition for soft spots in zone coverage, and fundamentally sound technique of stacking DBs and knowing when and how to shift gears into his route. He's been one of three guys back for the punt return team every single day as well. So Trenton Irwin, the receiver from Stanford, he's up first. Next is a veteran, Tyler Patman, was a late addition to the roster before training camp, and he's the one corner among the quote-unquote others, and by that we mean guys not named Xavier Howard, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Eric Rowe that has shown up daily in my reports. Plus, I think he might be your alter on Werner this year in that you keep him on the roster for special teams, but also as veteran insurance behind the main guys in case of those injuries. You can see the nuance in the way he uses the sideline as an extra defender to pin guys into that sideline and help him make plays on the football. Two more undrafted free agents on the defensive line, Pittsburgh's Dwayne Hendricks and Georgia's Jonathan Ledbetter. Now, Ledbetter was a surprise undrafted player. Hendricks, too, was undrafted, although it probably wasn't a surprise that he was not. But both of these guys fit the prototype for a base 5 technique in odd fronts. They have both provided a daily tweet on my timeline, at camp updates, and Hendricks more so because of his consistent pass rush so far in practice. But they both play with heavy hands, a huge factor or a huge trait in this defense, and they can hold the point of attack up front. And on the topic of holding the point of attack on the inside has been Adolphus Washington, another mid-free agency signing, if you will. He has interior pass rush skill sets, not so much against the run, but he can probably provide depth behind guys like Devon Godshaw and Vincent Taylor, and I would probably throw Joey Embu into this group as well. So those are the guys I think have surprised so far through four days of practice, Sam Oguavon Trent Irwin, Tyler Patman, Dwayne Hendricks, and Jonathan Ledbetter, as well as Adolphus Washington. And real quick, before we jump into our final segment, taking your Twitter questions on the Locked On Dolphins mailbag, there's a video of Brian Flores mic'd up at Dolphins practice that goes about 30 seconds long. And it's different from what you're used to with Brian Flores, who always has this calm, measured approach when he talks to the media and when he's not involved in football. And it really brings me back to one of my favorite traits in both players and coaches alike, in that they are one guy off the field and another guy, another animal between the lines. Let's go ahead and play this thirty-second clip. You got a little energy, I like it. Come on, offense! We're out of sorts right now. Let's get the, let's get a line. Let's know what we're doing. Woo! That's the way to finish it down. Dig, get on. Come on down. Oh, that's it. That was push-ups, fellas. Let's go. Nice job. Nice job, D. That's one-to-one,
1: right? We got to make good decisions
0: and it's pretty strange to hear him talk like that because you haven't heard him elevate his voice in those press conferences or any media availability but the cool part about it and I talked about this how the assistant coaches had to go to the wall after a mistake at practice on Sunday well they also had to do some push-ups after mistakes and Brian Flores hits the deck and does the push-ups with his team it's that equal footing it's the accountability all the way from the top of the coaching staff down to the 90th guy on the roster I just get the the feeling that things are different around here in the way they're accountable and in the way they're going to hold the team accountable for their actions, both on the field, off the field. And I know, I know that Dolphins fans probably get tired of hearing this every three to four years, but it does just feel different with Brian Flores at the reins. Okay, let's go ahead and turn it over to our final segment here on the Monday, July the 29th edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We're going to take your questions on the Locked on Dolphins Twitter mailbag here next. Locked on Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked on Fins. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further
1: than the Locked on NFL scouting podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: So I asked you guys for some questions on the mailbag. We didn't get as many replies as we normally do, but that's okay because I only have time to get to a few of them here to finish up this edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. We're going to be back on the practice field today, or depending on when you hear this podcast tomorrow, going to release this thing late on Monday night, but we're going to have updates for you guys on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then culminate it all with a scrimmage on Saturday before I get out of town and go back home to see my wife and my kitty cat. I can't wait to do that, but I also can't wait to bring you guys more Dolphins coverage as this has just been a dream come true for me. with that, let's get back into your questions on the Twitter mailbag. And this first one comes in from Phil Nutt. He's at Mr. P.K. Nutt. He asks me to describe the media group. Is there a camaraderie among the regulars? Is it cliquish, friendly, inviting, hazing of noobs, etc.? I'm not really supposed to go into detail on this kind of stuff, so I won't, but I will say that everybody has been pretty much friendly. I mean, there's a couple of guys that stick to themselves, but everybody kind of banters and jokes around. There was a great moment in the media room when Joe Shad entered the other day, and he said, we need some Febreze up in here because, well, it's hot as balls out there, and everybody's sweating, and then they jam us into this pretty small room to get the work done, so it's, it's fun. It's a fun group to be a part of. I personally kind of feel like I'm already one of the guys. And so it's been very inviting and very welcoming to me. Next question here from Tyler Decina. He's at Tyler sports 25 is Rosen really that bad. I mean, through four days. Yeah, he's been, he's been very bad. I mean, and it's not just the team periods where he does struggle all the time. And we can talk about the fact that he's a gamer and gets up for the big time situations. But man, throwing on air, I can make those throws. You guys can probably make those throws. Throwing on air to a simple 10-yard out route should not be that difficult. You should be able to put the ball right where it needs to be when there's no defense, no pass rush, no anything coming at you. And he's been off in those periods. So if he gets better and progresses, I'll take that as a great sign. But right now, it just hasn't been good. Next question here from Raji Raj. He's at Raji Raj, making it simple. What's the best food you've had so far? There's a little taco joint down the street from where I'm staying called the Taco Joint, and they have these Americanized tacos, which I'm a big fan of Americanized tacos over the Spanish version of tacos or Mexican tacos or whatever you wanna call them. Give me the Americanized tacos, not like Taco Bell, but just like the seasoned ground beef with some pico on top of there and some rice and some beans and some cheese and some lettuce. I'm all about that, but I do plan on hitting up a sushi joint which Kenny Stills actually recommended to me in Fort Lauderdale. I believe it's called Harami. So I'll do that one of these nights this week, and I expect that to be the best. Next question here from Leighton Stoffer. He's at Stoffer underscore Leighton. What has been your favorite moment slash experience of training camp so far? I think I talked about it on Twitter earlier on Monday, but when Flores sent the entire coaching staff over to the wall with the players, it was freaking hilarious because some of those guys, let's be honest, They probably haven't ran in several years, and to see them getting out there in the South Florida heat and trotting all the way across the field with the players and pads, that was pretty hilarious. But as far as the football goes, I'll give you three moments. Number one is watching Jakeem Grant in one-on-one release drills. That guy is so quick and difficult to get your hands on. He leaves people's jaws down at the floor every single day. And the other two are kind of similar, both from Minka Fitzpatrick and Raekwon McMillan who have made multiple stops in at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. And when they do, they get up and they get very excited and they create a certain sense of energy in the practice. And that's my favorite thing is watching guys really enjoying what they're doing out there as they work. Next question from Mark Rutherford. He's at Sasquatch213. Who has shown the best attitude throughout camp in your opinion? I'm going to throw a curveball at you guys here and say that it's probably been the punter, Matt Hawk. And I talked about Minka and Raekwon, and even Agüavín has been one of those guys that shows that energy. But they had a session at the end of practice. I think it was Sunday, maybe Saturday. Not important. But they had a session where the punters were throwing passes, like designed punt passes at the end of practice, and he was having a great time doing it, like a full-on throwing session where he was out there making throws. So I think that that was the most encouraging, like most just a kid having fun on the practice field situation that I saw. Next one here comes in from Kyle Smith. He's at KyleSmith1626 on Twitter. Even though you can't comment specifically, are there any offensive installs that have gotten you particularly excited? Yeah, there has been because I think there are they're operating in a way to use these guys to their strengths. And that's such a cliche thing to say, but I talked about it on yesterday's show, how they use Stills and Parker stacked to the same side of the formation. And the stack is when you basically put one receiver up on the line of scrimmage and the other receiver comes in behind him, like right behind him so they can't press him. And Kenny Stills gets that free release. And Parker, who I think has had a great camp and looks smooth in and out of breaks as a route runner, he's been strong at the catch point. If he can kind of take the focus off Stills, and let Kenny do his thing. That package to me. Stands to have a lot of success in the season this year. So that's been one of my favorite ones. Other stuff I won't talk about because it's too in depth and I don't want to get in trouble. Next one here comes from Give Slams, Not Dams. He's at the base, Doctor. If you're taking any questions, what is your prediction or what is your predicted highest ceiling and lowest floor for Chandler Cox? Well, look, Chandler Cox is a bit of a cult hero right now and rightfully so because when he gets it right and squares somebody up, you can hear the pop all the way over in West Palm. But it's very inconsistent. A lot of the times he's going to wind up on the ground. That was his tape at Auburn. And I think the Dolphins are going to have to figure out if he's actually going to be a true lead fullback that leads up into the hole and clears out lanes for Kalen Balazs and Kenyon Drake. Or is he going to be a mismatch in the passing game, which I think might be more true of what he is. And he's gotten some reps as an H-back type. And that kind of serves as a pass-catching player on the offense. So they're going to have to figure out which one of those he's going to be and if he's going to be on the field all the time in those 21 personnel packages. And since I have enough time, I'll take his second question from Give Slam's not Dams. Any sightings on Derval Neto and what have you seen of him in practice? He hasn't gotten a lot of work, especially not on the first or second teams where I try to keep most of my attention during the time, but I'll tell you this. That guy is freaking huge you look at his his quads and his hamstrings those are massive and that's typical of a defensive lineman but you go down to his ankles and I kind of wonder how he gets the top of his cleats the top of his shoes up over those ankles because those are the size of tree trunks too the fact that that guy can do a backflip is just an absolute marvel so he's huge that's all I know I'm telling you right now he's going to be on practice squad because he has exemption just don't expect him to contribute to the active roster Probably not in 2019, maybe in 2020. And last one here comes in from Munt. He's at munter underscore Horgan. And I'm guessing that's a clever play on Hunter Morgan. The question is, Seems like Minka will be the nickel and McCain will be free safety with Jones and McDonald at strong safety and obviously X at cornerback one. So who looks like the best option at boundary corner opposite Xavier Howard? It's Eric Rowe by a long shot. And I think that I talked about Tyler Patman, who could be a veteran backup insurance to those guys. And they're going to need that because Eric Rowe gets hurt every single year. But Eric Rowe, after a tough day one, has bounced back and been much better. I do want to see more out of guys like Cornell Armstrong and Jalen Davis and And Torrey McTire, we just haven't gotten it yet. I'll keep a closer eye on those guys as we go throughout the week. But the tough part is the defensive backs, all their individual drills are on the far field, so they're kind of hard to see. But I'll try to get a better look for you guys today at practice with the binoculars looking over there and keeping an eye on the defensive backs. All right, let's go ahead and get out of here for this Monday podcast. If you're listening to this on Tuesday morning, head over to my timeline at Wingfield NFL after you finish this podcast and catch the live practice updates. We'll have another journal and the podcast for you guys tonight, edition number five up on LockedOnDolphins.com and wherever you get your podcast from later on this evening, hopefully in time for drive time at 5 p.m. As for now, I've got another mandate with a fellow Dolphins Twitter member, I know it sounds kind of weird, but that's pretty much my only option to have human interaction and not be stuck in my hotel room the entire time. But with that, let's go ahead and sign off on the podcast. You all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, including our rebranded NFL podcast with Matt Williamson and Brian Peacock. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the show at Locked on Fins Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog. And- and training camp journal over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another training camp edition, the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up.